Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Yeah. Five o'clock hour. Demond's in the Finley Toyota Studios. We're here at the NBA Summer League. That's at the Thomas and Mac. We just had one of the UNLV coaches, Jamal Williams, join us. We'll post that interview up on video and audio at all the different places we post on Twitter, Facebook, and also uh, Learfield's UNLV All Access podcast page. You can find that up on Twitter at UNLV All Access. So this week we've been getting ready for football with UNLV. We talked to Nate Longshore yesterday, the tight end coach. And by the way, that's posted in several places. So go check out the video and the audio of that. That's coming up on September 2nd. And then we're looking at basketball season really begins with the prep in October. And then season kicks off in early November. This is a really intriguing group. Um, and I think in a lot of cases, there's some mystery around the group, which is funny. People get so fixated on, fixated on what they watch, you know, the Mountain West Conference, UNLV, the teams that UNLV plays. Mm-hmm. But again, you've got another roster with a ton of Big 12 flair. Jalen Hill coming back to play his final year here at UNLV. They tried so hard with Menzies to get him, went to Oklahoma. He really is a toolsy guy. And you just heard Jamal Williams say, hey, when we need you know some more flexibility at the point or bringing the ball up, we might turn to 6'6", Jalen Hill. Um, Justin Webster. Justin Webster played the point at Hawaii, mm-hmm. and it's been off the ball. And then last year just turned into a freaking shooting specialist. He does a lot of good things, but he was awesome. He was, he was around 50% the entire Mountain West Conference season. He's a freaking weapon. And then the other one is, you know, and, and on this show, uh, since we've not watched enough college basketball, I never will come on the air and hype a true freshman. Yeah. And really, he's a 2024. But uh, in the case of Deion Thomas, I'll never come on and be like, hey, the team's going to be awesome because this kid's going to average 18 points a game. I have no idea. You know, I, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to hold the job. Um, but sky's the limit for him. If he is awesome, my God, this team could be great. But if he, if he just fills the role of a responsible point guard who challenges the other team to defend, can distribute well, and not turn the ball over, because as we've mentioned a billion times, John, this is a program that I think has you know, hovered below their expectations and what fans expect for about 10 years now, and a lot of it has been because they haven't nailed it with the point guard. Yep. And then, and in this case, you know, the stars are there. The ratings are there. The schools that wanted them were there. I mean, like you said, it's one been one of the biggest weaknesses, watching this team up close last year and seeing how the offense, when it would get to that half-court set, would kind of get stuck in the mud outside of relying on one single score, right, to bail you out in almost every single possession. That, that's exactly what you're looking for, and that brings balance to an offense that when it does get slowed down, because you will in college basketball, you will get slowed down, that's going to give you that opportunity, and it just makes it so much easier for everybody else. That's the big part about it. It gets open looks. If you're creating enough gravity as a point guard to distribute and find open shots for guys, it creates everything for everybody. But it is going to be interesting to watch DJ Thomas in a conference that does not get enough respect around the country for its road difficulty. Mm-hmm. And to go into San Diego State, that thing can go the wrong way real quick. And when you're a point guard, you got to be the steady force. It can go the wrong way real quick in Boise. And then there's you know sneaky spots at elevation where if your offense isn't running efficiently, the turnovers build up and you can fall apart. So I'm excited about him. And you know, the other thing is, we didn't mention one of the best players on the roster, a really key 
returnee in Lurod Mm -hmm. because Luis Rodriguez had his moment. He was building some great momentum until the middle of the season, and then he popped something, he strained something in his groin, and he just he never fully recovered. Imagine if he's healthy the entire year, the three balls falling for him. That's another ridiculous weapon. Oh, him and like and just him and what he represents. Like to have like you could like theoretically roll out some lineups where a vast majority of these guys are like six seven. And like long and lanky and being able to do a lot of stuff. Like last year, they were switching and doing a lot of stuff defensively, but they were switching some smaller guys. This year, we got a bunch of big size forwards and everything, and being able to do that along with a guy like Rodriguez, big energy dude, I can't wait to see what it's going to be. Yeah, out of the Big 12, you got Jalen Hill, you got the Boone Twins. One of them wound up playing a year at Pacific, but they're out of the Big 12. Harkless was unreal last year. I thought he was the best pure scorer, one of them, in the Mountain West Conference. Damon, what are you thinking? I mean, you know, you're a, you're a follower of UNLV basketball. What do you think? I'm going to be excited about Deaton Thomas, see what he can bring, but I'm glad, I'm glad you guys brought up Luis Rodriguez because, as you said, that stretch that he had, I, I thought he was playing. He was the best player on the team. I was excited to see every game what he was going to do. So he's someone, you know, he could play both you know, both ends of the ball. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I want him to have that breakout. He's the guy for me. He's going to be – the team is going to go where he takes him. Not in the sense that, you know, he's the best player, but when he has a good game, the team performs well in my eyes. And they still want to play the defense that they played for much of the early part of the season, the switching defense. Um, I think the coaches will admit, you know what, they were eventually because of injuries and scouting. Other, you know, other pro- there's, there's two coaches in this league that they made some adjustments that weren't adjusted to quickly enough against those adjustments. Now I think they, they're going to have some more confidence in going away from you know, completely switching, and I think these guys will get it defensively. Again, it's mm-hmm. a bunch of veterans outside of uh, Dean and Thomas, and uh, Whaley's played basketball, but not at this level. And, of course, Brooklyn Hicks, who, you know, Jamal, Jamal Williams likes Brooklyn Hicks, and he was a prolific scorer in the Pacific Northwest. And as Jamal said, uh, you know, he's, he was a main recruiter on him, and he, he talked to Kevin Kruger, you know, this kid's going to make it really hard to keep him on the bench. So, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, then you're talking about potentially going, you know, 9 and 10 deep, which a lot of coaches don't like doing. But you're going to, I think you're going to see some of that early in the season uh, while, you know, before everyone kind of falls into their slot. Yeah, and I, you, you obviously hope for a little bit better health, too, because that was part of the issue from last year, especially key stretches. I mean, it's Rodriguez. Parquet goes down as well for a time, and then all of a sudden to your better defenders, and then you're like, oh, okay, what are we doing here? And you start to feel it a lot, I think, on defense. Parquet changed everything. Yes, because he was the key. He was the key was to the yeah. unbeaten start, uh, which what wound up being twelve and one. But in in the uh, one of those games, because they lost the San Fran game, I think it was the Washington State game. Yep. It was the game that he went off the court, and he he trust me, his knee was never the same. He yep. tried to come back, and it, you know their D was so good with him on the floor. Uh, this part of the program is brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You know we've been working with them for a while, and. Uh, when the rates were real low, I mean, the refinance stuff they did for us and you guys in the audience was amazing. And they've got some great incentives right now. They've got some creative things going on to get you the best deal in terms of uh, buying into a another home, a new home. you got to call John over at Nova Home Loans. Give him a call. Tell him Cofield sent you. 577-2600 is the number, 577-2600. So as we start the second half of the baseball season, and I guess I should be checking scores, right? After I missed it, I actually did miss it the last three, four days. But I'm also well, I'm a gambler and also the you know the fantasy stuff. So I, I'm a nerd. What I'm, do you I'm, want? I'm, I got I'm, it I'm for not you. a Demond level nerd. No, you know what it is. It's a uh, for me. I actually kind of finish off each day by looking through the box scores. I know that's kind of old school stuff, but we haven't had box scores nah. the last three days. Um, 
I like what I'm seeing the A's do here. And you know, you and I argued about this about a month ago because mission is pretty much accomplished. Mm-hmm. Unless baseball, unless Oakland you know, pulls a rabbit out of the hat and can win the A's back, or, I mean, there could be some owners, including some of the guys, the reps on the uh, relocation committee, who could be like, no, no, no. We need a relocation fee, and that could blow up the whole freaking thing because I don't think that John Fisher, while his worth is over $2 billion, I'm not sure John Fisher has the resources or is too keen on writing a check for like $300 million or $250 million. So that could become an issue. But I think it's done. So you, you did what you needed to do. Tankathon was on the last couple of years. Start playing some young guys. Let's get them out there. And again, I don't want to keep beating up on some of the dudes on the team like right. Chase Peterson and Lennis Diaz and Tony Kemp, who are you know between 180 and 210, and they're playing every day. Like, get the young guys up. So they actually did call up uh, Zach Eloff and Tyler uh, Soderstrom, their number one and three prospects. So, you know, if you want, Vegas is smart. They pay attention. If you want to get us fired up about this, like let's start seeing some headway here and a little upward trajectory. And not 35-year-olds, you know, hitting 180 in the lineup every day. Well, that's that was the selling point of Baltimore, right? Which was like, hey, man, we're really bad. We're really bad. But we're getting a lot of talent in our farm system, and eventually you're going to see those guys come up and perform. And where's Baltimore at now? Leading in the wild card race and, and performing with all of the homegrown talent. So that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to attract people even while you're losing by saying the future is coming. They are going to be here. And you're going to want to watch these guys develop and grow. Now, the other problem is Baltimore's farm system throughout those losing years was ranked relatively well. Oakland's really isn't yet. I think it's like in the mid-20s or 22, I think, uh, by MLB Pipeline. So, look, those are kind of some rankings. You know, It's all kind of arbitrary. It could all work out for you. There's not a lot of excitement there, but at the very least, you get to see the future as you move forward here for the rest of the season. Okay. Positivity. I see my future, a year or two of Aaron Rodgers. But when you're a Jets fan, you're like, I'll take anything. I'll take anything to be competitive, relevant. They're on hard knocks. Oh, yeah. I can't remember who's on every day <laughs> this week, but uh, I think it was Candy the day that we talked about hard knocks becoming official. And maybe both he and Damon were expecting me to flip out because a lot of people feel like you know, hard knocks is just it's a jinx. Oh, like you're going to be mad about it? Yeah, I'm going to be all mad and pissed off. I'm like, no. And I used I was using where you know we and where a lot. Like the Jets are not relevant. And while it actually annoys me that they they're, they they are talked about so much on Sports Talk Radio because much of our lineup on ESPN Radio is you know New York based New York guys. Yeah. Um, I do like seeing the behind the scenes stuff, so I'm excited for it. I want to see Aaron Rodgers. I want to see more of uh, Robert Sala. I want to see more of the staff. I want to see more of their young guys. So it's cool. So Rodgers is up in Tahoe at the celebrity tournament and some local reporter got him to uh, you know talk about hard knocks and there was a kind of a kind of a weird vibe on this one fire this you see that camera you're gonna see a lot of them now hard knocks is coming your thoughts <laughs> listen one of the only things I like about hard knocks is the voice of God who narrates it right Liv, I hope I get to meet him but look, you know, I understand the, the appeal with us. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on me, a lot of eyes on our team, a lot of expectations for our squad. So uh, they forced it down our throats, and we got to deal with it. Wow. Weird vibe, huh? Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't really like the media a bunch. He doesn't make weekly appearances on a mass media show like, I don't know, like Pat McAfee's or anything. He doesn't do anything like that. Right, so. right. He's really, uh, he keeps to himself. Doesn't like the attention. I can totally understand why he doesn't want this. 
Just like it, I know, I, these I'm, are the I'm, things that bug me about. Him. I know, I know, and I'm. I hesitated for a second. Damon, were you bothered by it? No, that's his shtick, you know. Oh, like, yep. like JVT said, I don't want the attention, but I do want the attention. He would be the person that if he was walking through Publix like Messi was, he would be looking around and be like, oh, you don't notice me? Like, he wants the attention. Okay. I paused there after you dug into him because I'm in a weird position here. I've never hated Aaron Rodgers. I find him intriguing. Always trying to figure him out. I've started to look into the psychedelics. Why not? Um, but now that he's on the Jets, now I'm in a weird position. Because I think you might hear me defend him a lot this year. Okay. Well, and here's the thing. Like, and, I, and his play and dealing with the New York media. And I, I will admit, I'm not, not, I'm not exactly objective now on Aaron Rodgers. Because I would like to win. Sure. I would like to have that feeling on a Sunday of not being embarrassed going into a sports bar and asking to put the Jets game on, which has been the case for a lot of time. Now I can be like, Aaron Rodgers, put it on one of the main TVs. Let's go. No. J-E-T-S. I don't don't hate anybody. I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. Just makes me roll my eyes when like you do this. You know what I mean? Like you like this like you don't need to do this, okay? Don't say they shoved it down your throat. And by the way, can we just say really quickly? Let's not act like Hard Knocks is like some hard-hitting expose that's really going to get in there and get the dirty secrets of the New York Jets. It's an NFL-produced documentary. Anything that they don't want seen is not going to be seen. And every once in a while, they're going to find some funny moments. It's going to be like, Aaron Rodgers is so great. He's hilarious. And there's going to be some slow-mo shots and some tight spirals, and we're going to follow some random wide receiver for a while, and like that's going to be it. Jets have the final say. Right. Okay. Are we going? Will they? Will they put together a training montage with music like they did for JJ Watt? I just yeah, I want like, like just two minutes of beautiful throws or him just sweating, running as an old man. But, but with Aaron Rodgers, I want it to be the opposite. Yeah. I want it to be like a three-minute supercut of him ignoring fans. You know what I mean? <laughs> like set to like really good music while he's just walking by like a small child, just being like, "Aaron, can I get you?" Nope, just walk by. Don't care. Sorry, you're not worth my time. I'm down with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would advise any small children who are being uh, groomed to be a Jets fan, their parents, just stop. Like, you'll, well, get a, you'll get a little time here. Just move to the Giants. Trust me. Well, I don't want to use the G word when we're talking about children there. But I will say, half the time when the kid is – actually, half the time. I'll say like 90% of the time. If the kid is under 10, mm-hmm. it's the parents sending them to get an autograph. Yeah. You know, that kid doesn't care. Probably. There was that. There was that golf club. I can't remember what golfer it was, but it was like, look at this kid. His day's made. I'm like, he's four. He has no idea <laughs> who Justin Thomas is. Daddy sent him out there to get a signature on a piece of paper so he could use it for himself. So ignore the children, though, Aaron. I'm down with it. So, Damon, you sent us over a roster of the golf tournament, all the all the pairings. You know, I don't know if you looked. Did you click on this? Oh no, you got to click on it. So, I know a couple of them. For the pro am, you get a celebrity, and they're playing with four. Regular people. I'm sure they're very wealthy people. Normies. Very, very connected people. Damon, when you looked at the list of all the celebrities, you asked us to put together a foursome from the list. Did you put one together? Oh, yeah, I did. My number one pick, he's not there this year, but he's a regular, Justin Timberlake. So I can't go with my man JT, big NSYNC fan, uh, fan of everything he does. Okay. So, <laughs> But he's not on the list. So for this year's class, Charles Barkley, he would be there. Rob Riggle, got to have somebody funny. 
and CC Sabathia because I think we get along well. I think me and CC, you know, we, we could be friends. <laughs> you guys are clones, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are clones. 6'7", uh, probably still 240. I think he's lost some weight. Holy smokes. It's a hell of a list, isn't it? No, I was just actually, uh, that holy smokes was Colin Jost is 9 under par. <laughs> like, I didn't realize oh, wow. some of these guys were actually kind of good golfers. Devontae Adams is 18 under? There's well, no way. All right, this has got to be weird. It's a stable for scoring. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Minus is not good. You want pluses. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I are was there, like, wait, are, there's are no there way. like crazy high pluses? Oh, yeah, there's a couple. What? Let's see. Uh, Marcus Allen, Jason Worth, Tim Brown are all 10. Derek Carr's an 11. How about that? Dwight Freeney, 11. Yeah. Uh, you got screwed here. I guess. Are you seeing all the names? I think you are. I am. Yeah, the, the, the uh, previous screen had the pairings. Um, all right, so as you go through this. Who's on your list? Who would you want to play, you know, if you're kind of a wealthy, connected guy? I mean, to be can't honest get, with you. Can't them. get Yager. You ignored him the other day and right. insulted him. To be honest with you, none of these people. To, no, no. Shut up. Come on. I don't really? know. Like, I just. Okay. Like, oh, no. Okay. All right. Here yeah, we go. You, you know what? You keep looking through it. No, I, I got you. No, you keep. You find three. Here's. These are my three. Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. He's you, won the tournament one year. There's, there's, you know, whatever floats your boat, man. There's different people you like. DeMond went very star-studded. Very star-studded. Um, mine would be Joe Theismann. I love Joe Theismann from a conversation standpoint. And because uh, what I would like to talk to with Joe more about is not the Redskins, not his days at Notre Dame, not his days at South River High School. He's a New Jersey guy. I want to talk about his TV career because he did a lot more TV stuff than people realize and movies. First of all, he was in Cannonball Run. I think it was number two which had to be one of the best parties for a movie ever. And you know how gaga we went over American Gladiators? Mm -hmm. Joe was a host on that show. So I would go with Joe Theismann. I'm going to go with a uh, school tie. And maybe I'll learn some more about hockey. Catherine Tappan is actually a Rutgers lady, but she's you know very big on hockey and works for, I think, I don't know. I don't know who she works for now because she was with NBC. And then my last one is, um, I think Larry the Cable Guy. It's funny. I think he'd be fun. I doubt he can golf at all, and I stink. So while I'm ripping hooks all over the place and grounders, he'd be right with me. So I know my list isn't the sexiest, but I think it would be a fun group. And I'm guessing Ladder the Cable Guy would drink a little bit. So be good. Okay. And by the way, none of the I wasn't Catherine Tappan and you know Brett Hull. I wasn't suggesting any of that stuff. You can go look that up. I don't know if you remember that whole story, but. All right, I'm ready. Okay, give me your three. I want former Clippers coach Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> whatever, I mean, yeah. like I said. Whatever. I don't know why you're laughing. Yeah. This is what I want. Uh, Shane Victorino. Okay. And it's tough. And my last one is going to be Jim McMahon. Ooh. I want as many boring people as possible. And we'll throw in Jim McMahon in the end. He's not boring. No, that's what I'm saying. We'll, we'll give him a little bit of flair, but I want a group that's not going to talk to me that much. What? Just want to go out there and just play some golf, just what chill. The whole point of, of the list is to <laughs> feel get like, a chance to I feel talk like Vinny Del Negro would be really boring. Like we just sit there, we're like, nice shot, man, thanks, and they just move on to the next hole. You you're, know, you're really taking your golf seriously. Yeah, like we want to work on my game. What are we doing? Are we trying to win? What, what's happening here? <laughs> talk about the Clippers a little bit. You missed the point of the list completely. <laughs> right? How many people refer to him as former Clippers head coach Vinny Del Negro? And Demond went right to the top of the list. Demond, do you have a better golf swing than Barkley? Oh, yeah. I was JV golf in, uh, in high school. Were you? Yeah. Wow. We are finding huh? out. We're finding out so much more about DeMond show by show. 
Because I think you were busting on your basketball skills the other day, and I actually believe you. Same body type in high school? Uh, oh, there's no. no way. No. Okay. Thin. What'd, what'd you weigh in high school? Around 145. Wow. All right. I just picture real, like, you know, JV hulking, golf. Hulking DeMond just, yeah, just I mean, striping him down the what do you what, what was your average for nine? Dude, here's the thing. I was so bad. I was on the team, yeah. but they never had me go out and compete, like, at the actual. <laughs> it was just, I was just the guy who was on the team. It's JV golf. They're not going to cut anybody. Interesting. It's, that's the second time I've heard somebody use JV golf as, or just JV in general as like a, a qualifier for their athletic prowess. <laughs> there was somebody on there's somebody on Twitter who was claiming because he played JV basketball that he could he could put up like 15 points in an NBA game. Oh my god! <laughs> Stop! He's like, I can get hot. Okay. The first time me and my group of friends were like, oh, let's do a spring sport. We were like, golf, that's the easiest. The first time one of us got a double bogey, we jumped around and celebrated. I was on the chess club. Okay. But in reality, what it was is it was photo day, and I wanted to get out of the class, so they called the chess club. I was like, I'll go. So there's a picture of me in one of my yearbooks that I'm in the picture with the chess club. I actually I never intended. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, let's give away some tickets right now to... Dita has a residency here coming up in October at Dita Las Vegas. It's a, a burlesque review. It's uh, the Jubilee Theater at Horseshoe Las Vegas. Tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. It's Dita Las Vegas. we got a pair of tickets right now. Demond does. Call her 7-364-1100. Bet against me. Bet against me. Tell me it's not going to happen. Tell me it's going to fail. I love it. I love every minute of it. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, Dana White there on Power Slap. We're about three minutes away from talking to R.J. Clifford. we got to pay some bills before that. I do have to get everyone updated, or John does, on the WNBA three-point shooting contest. Did Sabrina Unescu, did she go 23 of 25? Yeah, in the last round. Absolutely destroyed it. Stop. Yeah. They, they, did, they did the five-ball rack. Five-ball rack and then the starry ball thing. Yeah. Absolutely. She missed two shots. Missed two total. Missed, uh, I think, her first one and wow. then, like, one on the final rack, yeah. That's some pretty good shooting. <laughs> it was, and it was guess insane. what? Guess what, Damon? In your face. And Uh-oh. in Kelsey Plum's face. Uh-oh. What do you that, mean, in the, our face? Uh, the cover of NBA 2K24, the WNBA edition. You guys were all annoyed that uh, Sabrina got the cover instead of Asia Wilson? Winning MVP. Oh, wow. You're talking about three-point contest. Touché. We're talking about rings. Touche. Shut me down. I mean, it's a fair point. I would say the Aces should be the bigger market draw, especially Asia Wilson, than one Sabrina Ionescu. She plays in New York. Who cares? New York, New York doesn't matter! <laughs> Congratulations on being the second-best team by a mile. Wow. All right. Why are you yelling at me? Because this young lady over here is all concerned. She thought it was going to be a fight. I'm tired of this. She, she like, leaned in. She wanted to listen, and she's like, why are these guys so angry? Tired of this. I'm doing happy radio today, man. Your nonsense about the New York media doesn't exist. (laughs) None of this exists. They hold a massive place in the New York media. The Liberty get a ton of coverage. Yeah, I was going to say, yes, exactly. And the WNBA, you should be trying to market your stars. It shouldn't matter about the market because you want the biggest names possible. Asia Wilson is... The star of the WNBA. Okay. There we go. That's interesting because Las Vegas should have every big fight that ever happens in the UFC. But guess what's happening when John Jones and Stipe Miasic meet up? It's going to be in New York. I want to talk some combat sports and also the latest with the Raiders now that we're like two and a half 
days away from freaking D-Day with Josh Jacobs and this franchise tag. So we'll check in with R.J. Clifford from the Autumn Windbags. Bet against me. Bet against me. Tell me it's not going to happen. Tell me it's going to fail. I love it. I love every minute of it. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Yeah, we know that Dana White is motivated by opposition and angst. R.J. Clifford knows that because he's covered the sport for a long time. He works for SiriusXM, also has his Autumn Windbags podcast. He's up with Damon, JBT, and Cofield. R.J., how you doing, buddy? Good. I thought your segue was going to be, and R.J.'s the sugar and spice all the time. So what a contrast, R.J. and Dana. I mean, you kind of are. You're you're like one of the nice guys in the media amongst the MMA. <laughs> you are. Well, you know, well, I, I was doing radio with you so long, Steve. I've had to be the other side of the coin. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't see Sophie being all cranky. i got to be chipper, you know? I, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, good counter on that one. Um, we had we had quite the discussion at the beginning of the week, and even going to last week. There's a contingent of Cofield and company uh, members, and even a guest like Adam Hill and Ryan McKinnell, who were super pissed off last week about Power Slap and all the attention Dana White gave Power Slap three uh, the week of UFC 290, and uh, those guys thought the 290 fighters got kind of screwed over. Well, what do you think? I don't know. That's such a weird thing to get upset about, like what Dana White tweets and what like their PR department sends in press releases and what kind of Instagram posts are out. I mean, I don't really get it. I mean, there was a wave of promotion for UFC 290. I mean, it was, and it, and like, and it was the perfect card. I mean, it was just like anything you want. It was like a, a fight of the year candidate, an upset of the year candidate, one of the US, one of MMA's most popular fighters retiring. Like, there was all kinds of like great stuff out of it. And to make being upset about what Dana White points at is kind of weird to me. I mean, that's, he's a promoter, right? He has multiple businesses. He's got the Power Slap. He has a liquor company. He's got, uh, he owns, like, all these other, like, extreme sports businesses. Like, if you're unhappy now, like, it's not going to slow down. There is going to be more Power Slap. There is going to be more of his other side businesses out in front of you. And if that really bothers you, be prepared to be really bothered. Yeah, um, after McKinnell went on his rant, I called him a horse's ass. And this is the reason, because I call him that all the time. But in this case, his rant reminded me of boxing pointing down at MMA back, you know, 2000, whatever, you know, 2000 to 2007 before, you know, UFC really started making ground and uh, or gaining ground on boxing. And I just feel like, why, why are UFC fans hating on and media people hating on uh, you know, power slap. Like you were in this role before. If, if it if it works, it works. The market's going to decide. Why do you have to be a hater? Well, if you don't like it, like you cannot like it. Like there's a lot of sports I don't like. Um, but look, it's very easy. Like especially these days, any chance for people to be able to clutch their pearls and moralize over something, yeah. like they're going to do it. And power slap's the easiest target. And I think that's also part of it. I think the other part, like the flip side of this is, even if you're complaining about power slap, that is power slap promotion. It's like, oh my God, it's so brutal and unsafe and I'm disgusted by that. What turns you, what may turn you off is going to turn someone else on. Like the reason my mom will never watch mixed martial arts despite the fact that her son's primary thing of employment, and I was a professional fighter, are all the reasons I love it. It's violent, it's brutal, it's hard, it's visceral. Yeah, that's what makes me like it, what makes her hate it. All the more complaining about Power Slap, I think it's probably doing more good for Power Slap than that. Yes. And I just, 
I love the, the circus part of it. If people you know want to put themselves face to face with a pedestal in between them and slap the hell out of each other for money, huh. go ahead and do it. Especially if it's going to you know you're going to have two giant fat guys. I mean, the two cards ago they had 361 pound guy against 467. The 467 guy folded like <laughs> like some cheap laundry. It was it was great. Okay, so that's a circus. That's Carney. What, John? I know you want to get to this. I'll just address it on the front end. What is, what is Nganu going against the best heavyweight boxer in the world? Is that legit? I mean, the only thing, the only thing like truly legit about combat sports is the money and the miles. I mean, it is just a stacking check type matchup for him. So we, what we know so far is it will be ten rounds. It will be boxing. Um, the WBC title owned by Tyson Fury will not be on the line. Um, but it looks like it's most likely technically a pro bout. WBC is sanctioning it, even without it being the I mean, it's, and this is like the weeds that I, I, I also don't understand why people care about. Like, this isn't, like Francis Ngannou worked up the rankings for a shot at the champion. This is another circus act. This is put the tent poles up, bring the bearded lady out, and have the, the heavyweight MMA guy fight the heavyweight boxing guy. Like, that's what it's there for. It's not there for boxing fans. It's not there for MMA fans. It's there for everybody else. So, RJ, this is how I, I don't know what to do with this. And by the way, RJ Clifford is here with us. Uh, you can find him on SiriusXM. And, of course, uh, Autumn Windbags is the podcast. I feel like, I feel two things, right? The anti, I'm not anti-boxing, but boxing annoys me. And the, the annoying boxing thing with me is, of course, this is another boxer who was talking a big game, but that ultimately says, no, you come to my house, and that's how we'll fight. Then the other side of it is, well, good for Francis Ngannou, right? Because if he's going to get paid, like, this is something that's going to be good for him. And also, Dana White wouldn't really help him out in putting together an MMA match. So it's kind of like, I, I just don't know how to feel. I want to hate this because I think boxing stars always do this. But I think it's a positive for a guy like Ngannou who I think deserves it. If you're a fan of Francis Ngannou, you are doing back wheels and back, doing car wheels and backflips all the way until October 28th. This, he has shown, like, he did what no one else has been able to do. As champion, leave the UFC and get a giant paycheck doing another combat sport. Like, that never happened, ever. People have tried it. Randy Couture tried it. was unsuccessful. Uh, Nate Diaz did it, not as a champion, but as one of the biggest draws in the sport. Uh, if you're a Francis Ngannou fan, you're happy. If you're, an, if you're a boxing fan, you're absolutely furious. Tyson Fury should be boxing Usyk. Period. End of story. If there's any... Any decency in the actual sporting of boxing, Tyson Fury, the undefeated, undefeated lineal and WBC champion, should be taking on number one contenders. Instead, he's doing a carnival act with Francis Ngannou. Now, MMA fans, I think, are more torn because you, you're happy for Francis Ngannou. You're glad he's getting a payday. His story is a Hollywood script waiting to happen, traveling from Africa, seven failed trips to Europe, finally made it to Paris, finally made it to the United States, finally became the UFC champion. But we're losing the best heavyweight in MMA to circus act. This is the same thing that happened with Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Conor McGregor was gone for almost two years of his prime. As a two-division champion, he just flittered around. Now, it's hard to blame him. He made $100 million, but I would do the same thing in his position. But as MMA fans, the best and baddest man on the planet isn't doing his sport. Like, that kind of sucks. Is there a bigger picture uh, danger to this? Like, I feel kind of dumb asking because the UFC is performing really well and growing. But at the same time, like, this is the tr somewhat troubling trend of, like, hey, man, like, like you said, chasing away your biggest star. Like, big picture, as this moves forward, is this a dangerous trend or is this just a one-off? And it it's on a very much smaller scale, but much like the NFL, it's going to continue to thrive because it's the only party in town for the most part. 
Well, I have two sides of that coin. On, on the business end, like at, at, it's the UFC, the shareholders of UFC and the brass of UFC, I don't think they care. The UFC's coming off the most profitable year ever without Conor McGregor fighting, without, uh, this is last year, without Conor McGregor fighting, without John Jones fighting, without Brock Lesnar fighting, without Ronda Rousey fighting, without Stuart Steve Scare fighting, without any of their biggest stars ever. None of them fought last year. Still the most profitable year in UFC history. Money-wise, they don't care. As fight fans, this is something to keep an eye out for if other champions are going to find their way out. Now, it's extremely complicated, and the logistics of it are out of this world, and depending on which attorney you ask, it may or may not be able to happen again. Uh, word is there's changes to UFC fighter contracts that may or may not help or hurt this. A lot of there's a pending lawsuit that's making all these things change. So uh, much, much smarter book nerds than me will be able to answer that question more accurately. Um, but this is unprecedented, absolutely unprecedented in mixed martial arts. I've got to ask you about some of these fights that made Dream Fights UFC 300. I'm a pro wrestling fan, and the, the rumors are out there. Ronda Rousey, she's on her way out. Is there? Is it possible at all that she makes a UFC comeback? I doubt it. I don't think she wants any of that heat. Like, why would she want to? Why can't she play fight? Why would, if she can play fight, she'd rather do that than real fight. I mean, just one thing to lose, right? Like, she was one of the most dominant fighters in the UFC, loses back-to-back. But then just went MIA, just turned her back on the sport, completely disappeared. And that was, I think that's, I don't think that feeling goes away. I don't think you forget those kind of beatdowns she took and the way she just kind of took her ball and went home. So, I mean, it would be big news if she did. I mean, her and like the Holly Holm rematch or her and, uh, I don't know, like whoever the champion is. I'm sure they wouldn't mind throwing her into whoever the champion is. Um, when UFC 300 rolls around, but I, I doubt it. I mean, and, it, and it's and it's pure rumor. I mean, it is, there is. I have yet to see the foundation of the rumor that Ronda Rousey actually wants to come back to the UFC. All it is is that the WWE contract is up soon. But Conor McGregor last week he just tweeted out a uh, a Santa Claus emoji. I mean, Christmas time. Could that fight actually happen at the end of this this calendar year with Michael Chandler? So obviously, Dana might ask this question every 45 minutes by anyone who bumps into. And he's kind of gotten over answering the question. There's a, you know, side of the drug testing organization, you have to be in the system for six months before you can fight when you're out of it. And that, of course, will put it past any fight since 2023. Exemptions have been made before. And if there's any fighter in the world you're going to get an exemption for, it's the biggest star in combat sports, Tom Frager. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the, the rule book, how deep it goes with USADA. Um, but that's like the one stipulation. And also, Connor wants to fight again. I mean, he clearly has enough money that his kids, 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 grandkids can afford jobs for the rest of their lives. Uh, I, I haven't, I know he wants the attention. I know he enjoys the spotlight. Does he want to fight again after all those injuries and losses? He hasn't given me much indication. RJ Clifford is with us, MMA expert who works for SiriusXM, also does a great Raiders podcast, the Autumn Windbags podcast. I like the way RJ set that up, talking about Nganu and Fury. Uh, you know, are you an Nganu fan? Are you a boxing fan? Are you an MMA fan? I'll flip this to football. Josh Jacobs' D-Day is coming up on Monday. Franchise tag, sign it, or else who knows what he's going to do. Beyond that, are you a Raiders fan, or in this case, are you a Josh Jacobs fan? I am a Raiders fan, and that, of course, makes me a Josh Jacobs fan, but I put the shield above any player. Even though that shield is tattooed on Josh Jacobs, I do put the shield <laughs> above any one player. And I understand the situation, man. Like, over the past few weeks, like, all the stats come out and how he's got more yards per game than any Raider in history. That includes, you know, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, all these, Marshawn Lynch, more yards per game than any of those guys. Obviously, the rushing leader last season played his balls off for us. He had the, not only the most rushing yards, 
did the most yards after contact. He got hit and kept going more than any running back in the NFL. The guy put everything he could into this team last season, literally ran this team into multiple wins. What? A million dollars? You can get someone for a tenth that that can give you 80, 85% of the production? Look, our defense is so bad, we are short two corners. We don't have any single linebacker that would start on three quarters of the other NFL teams. There are so the defense is Swiss cheese. There are so many holes. So uh, that money can be used elsewhere. I bless you, Josh Jacobs. I love you. Thank you for your service. If you want a long-term extension, a lot of guaranteed money, we have too many holes. Have fun in Philadelphia. Autumn Winbacks Podcast. Did you guys take off any time this summer? Autumn Winbacks, not a lick. Look at you. Not a lick. Look at you. dog days of summer. We'll find stuff to complain about. Look at you. Yes. And you, you want to. Derek Carr won't stop talking, and that's just that's I know. nonstop. That's awesome. He made his wife crack. He's a polarizing player in football, it feels like. You're not upset that. They, they, they just had a, It wasn't about the money, RJ. He would have stuck around. <laughs> no, his, his wife cried. You can't do that. That's attacking yep. the, man, the man's home. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you got to make some choices. You got to stand up for your girl. RJ, we appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime, boys. There he is, RJ Clifford. Fight expert, Sirius XM. Um, I, we ran out of time. I do not agree with his take on Ronda Rousey. I believe she will fight at UFC 300. I, even though she got her uh, butt kicked, really her face kicked uh, and beaten, and she looked uncompetitive against you know as the evolution of women's MMA happens. I, I don't think you can be a high level judo competitor, be at the top of the mountain achieve as much as she did as an MMA fighter and be like, nah, I'm not going to come back because I'm scared. I think she will come back and at least want to leave with a good impression. Now, he mentioned Holly Holm. She ain't fighting. There's no way she's fighting Holly Holm. No, they will find a 145-pounder, another grappler, and maybe she'll, she'll lose via grappling. Like, whoever she's in there with at 300 will not be able to throw hands, and I'm fine with that. Bring her back. Let her go out on a high note. Well, look, so first off, I'd watch. <laughs> right, like I'd watch. Uh, second, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong about this in my evaluation. And that was when I watched a lot more mixed martial arts. When she knocked out Betch Kohea, it seemed like she was like, "Oh, I can stand. I can do this." She fell in love with it, and she got she got beat up doing that. If she goes back to her her game, she could probably still be a pretty effective fighter. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. JVT, Cofield, Thomas and Mack, NBA Summer League closing things out. We got them on back in our Finley Toyota studios. Uh, you know, we were all mentioning what we're doing for the weekend. I got to get to DeMond here in a second. Uh, for folks out there, if you're a big hockey fan, big uh, Golden Knights fan, Riley Smith is, over the next couple weeks, at some cool public events, the softball game on the 22nd, but a chance to say goodbye to Riley Smith. Tomorrow's a really good one. Lindsey Brown from Raider Nation Radio 920 is going to be with Riley Smith. Honda West, Buffalo and Sahara. Honda West on Sahara. Noon to 1.30, signing autographs, meeting, greeting. I don't know if he kisses babies, but you get the idea. Lindsey will be out there. Prizes, free food from places like Crumble Cookies, Buffalo Wild Wings, Porta Subs, and Raisin Canes. Honda West. Meet, greet, autograph signing, Riley Smith. You know, he got traded to Pittsburgh. So, Riley Smith, noon to one thirty. <laughs> Get in the bag? Yeah. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You're chuckling. Uh, because Hemi Butler is trending on Twitter. 
because the world is finding out. It's, it's, it's getting out there that he's now dating Shakira. I like it. I like it a lot. Why Hemi? Because he's him. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if you're going with uh, some sort of uh, different pronunciation of the first name. No, no, no. Not the, oh, that partner. could be. Actually, that's another uh, play on it, right? The Hispanic version of Hemi? Yep. Hemi Butler. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Taman. I asked uh, JVT what he was doing this weekend. It was kind of lame. Uh, can you top it? What do you got going on? Oh, I think I'm going to be even lamer. Going to be doing a little Orange Theory tomorrow morning. Go out to uh, the water drive and then WNBA. Okay. Are you going to the All-Star game? Yeah. Okay. So I'll see you out there. That'll be cool. Yeah, it's, it's not lame. Game. I mean, you're getting you're going to be around some of the biggest stars in uh, female sports. Yeah, network. Rub elbows. Yes. Yeah, yeah, network. Yeah, I mean, so you know, do a little. I, I know I'm big on the network, and I'm always trying to Just, talk to people. I'm like, get, give me the business cards. You know, do all, do all the uh, handshaking. But at a certain point, I can talk to someone for like 10 minutes, but never give them my name. But it's yeah, like, it's, I, it's, yeah. you got you to get better at that. <laughs> hey. The other thing, we talked about bringing the uh, the uh, the small mics. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Do some, get some interviews. interviews. Yeah, come on. So I got to tell you uh, really quickly. Yep. Damon, I get it because out here, I've had to try to get more comfortable doing the networking stuff as well. This is probably the year I've been the best at it, just bugging people and introducing myself. But I understand. I'll give you a piece of advice. Wear buttons. All right, see, but not the Hawaiian shirts. I see a lot of Lotus guys wearing Hawaiian shirts. Who else is wearing Hawaiian shirts? It's my thing. You and Magnum. Oh, screw Magnum. <laughs> and also, I mean, I don't know if Magnum crimps his hair before he goes out, but you know, just don't wear a hat. So okay, so what? Wait, basically, yeah, go ahead, Damon. Go ahead. What, what do you uh, translate that for us, please? What Magnum's hair? I'm not touching that one. Okay. <laughs> Literally. Said, I I'm just busting chops. That's what I do. That's what you're saying. Clean up. Yes. Shave and cut your hair. I need to wear a button up when I go out to network. Is that yeah, what you're just saying? don't button up. Yeah, but don't button the top button without a tie because if you do that, then you look like a psychopath. Your chest is already massive, too, so it's not going to help. Yeah. Wow, you're really, really critical. That was a strong close. I'm trying to help him out. Wow. By the I'm way, I think he's like one of those really serious orange fitness guys. Like, do you, like, do people are like, all right, relax, dude, when they're in there with you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm dying in there. <laughs> I am dying. I mean, I need that translated. I have no idea what you guys are talking about now with Orange Fitness, but that'll be that'll be a good jumping off point for next week. Damon, great job this week. Check out uh, Best of Cofield and Company with the videos and the audio all weekend long. And thanks to the NBA Summer League for hosting the show. We'll see you.